0: My name is Adam, Uh, if you guys don't know who I am, and I am usually up there leading worship. And this morning I'm speaking, and so I'm sorry you're stuck with me again. Um, But I love leading worship. It's one of my favorite things to do, but this is uh, quickly becoming something that is a lot of fun for me. And so I hope you guys can put up with me for a little while this morning as we dig into God's Word. We're in the middle of our Ephesians series. We've got... The rest of the month of November, we're going to be digging into Ephesians. And then we'll go through Christmas season where we'll look at our Advent stuff. And then back in January, we'll pick up Ephesians again and run it through the end of January. And so we're in our third month already of this book. And God is, for me, doing some cool things. I am just really enjoying digging into this verse by verse, word by word, line by line. Understanding the depth of God's word is a cool thing. And so I hope you guys are enjoying it as much as I have. But the first half of the, of the book of Ephesians, Scott said this a couple weeks ago, is just gospel heavy. It's just the truth of the gospel. It's just, hey, you were dead, but now you're alive, right? You were dead in your sin, separated from God, no longer in relationship with him because you're disgusting and dirty and gross, and God is holy and pure and amazing, and he can't, that doesn't work. It's oil and water. But God, rich in mercy, abounding in love, made us alive with Christ. How? by Christ's death and resurrection for us in our lives. Christ died in our place so that we may be made alive again and have a relationship with God. That's the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians in like 30 seconds, right? We were dead, but now we're alive because of Christ. Huge deal. That's a huge implication on how we should live our lives. So the last half of the book of Ephesians, uh, the last couple chapters are all about, okay, so now we understand what the gospel is. We understand that we now are in relationship with God because we've said yes to Jesus, and we're trying to figure out now how to walk in that. How do we move forward? What, what, What should we be doing to be in relationship with God? What does it look like to live in relationship with God? And so that's what the last couple of chapters of the book of Ephesians is is doing. And so that's where we're at today. And last week, Zach spoke on the first section of chapter four, the very first section of chapter four, and he laid out a fairly difficult topic to lay out, the Trinity. What does it look like for the Trinity and what implications does that have on us believers in Christ, right? The Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, three separate things, but also all one God at the same time. One plus one plus one equals one, right? It's confusing. It's difficult to understand. But he talked about how the God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit all interact with each other, and they're all in unity together, right? They're all moving towards the same purpose and the same goal. And so, for us, that is a picture of how we should be living in unity as a body of believers, as followers of Christ, saying yes, in unity we're seeking God. In unity, we're seeking this relationship idea of what it looks like for the Trinity to be in relationship with with God and for us to be in relationship with God and for us to be in relationship with one another. It's in unity that we move forward. We are one body chasing after the hope that God gives us in the gospel. We are one body chasing after the hope that God gives us in the gospel. That's last week's recap, right? Right? So today, digging in to uh, verses 11 through 16, we're going to kind of pick up right where that left off, remembering that we're one body. So how do we then as one body move forward in this relationship with God? How do we move forward in our faith after understanding what the gospel has done for us? How do we move forward, right? And I want you guys just to get this picture in your mind. Because this morning, as I was thinking about this, and later on we'll get into it a little bit more, but us, as a body of believers, just all together moving in one direction. And I was trying to think, okay, so what would that even look like? And I thought of a train. I don't know why, but it came to me. Two rails, a giant train, and we're all on board, and we're all heading down the track. Right? Right? And it seems fairly straightforward, like we don't really have a choice because we're just moving forward and the rails are there. But we're all on this thing together, moving together in unity. Okay, so get that in your mind. And as we dig into this today, we'll, we'll kind of unpack that a little bit later on in the service. So let's just dig in chapter four of Ephesians, starting in verse 11. If you have your Bibles, dig in there. It says this, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So here, he gave, is talking, Paul is talking about God, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds and teachers. So he gave people to us to help us, Right? He put people in a position where they could help us in this journey of faith that we're on. They can help us push the train forward, if you will, right? He gave us uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. In other words, he gave us pastors. Simplify it a little bit, right? He gave us pastors or people who are in a leadership position over us in the church who say, hey, let me help guide you down this rail Towards God, towards a fuller relationship with God. He gave us these people, which is great and wonderful. He's provided specific people to help us in our spiritual walks, to equip us, verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So it doesn't say He gave us pastors or shepherds or teachers or evangelists to do the work for us. No, it says He gave us these people to. Equip us to do the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. I think a lot of times, I know this was true of me at one point in my spiritual walk, especially in my late teenage years, I relied solely on the person in leadership to kind of give me and guide me down this rail of maturity in Christ right? I wasn't doing anything on my own. I would show up, I would hear this person teach or lead or speak or whatever it might be, and I would go, okay, that's cool. That's cool for me. I got that. I understand it, and that's about it. So they're giving me these tools, these understand, these, this knowledge of what God has done for me, these tools in my tool belt, but I'm not ever using them to build up the body of Christ. I'm not doing the work of ministry, as verse 12 says. You see, my, my grandfather was a construction foreman, and uh, he had a tool for everything. I think I've talked about him before in the past. He had a tool for everything, and he could tell if you knew what you were doing with the tool or if you didn't really quick, because he was experienced, and he'd been using these tools forever. So I just, I, I had this picture today of a guy who's got this brand new tool belt, you know, this leather, he just bought it, he overpaid for it and he got all these brand new tools in there, and they've never been used, and he walks onto a construction site, and somebody's like, hey man, can you help me out with this? And he's like, no, I just got these tools. I don't wanna hurt them. I don't wanna ding them up. I don't wanna use them, right? I think we do that with our faith, where people are investing in us and trying to push us forward, and they've given us these tools and we're scared to get them dirty. We're scared to scrape them up. We're scared to use them in any way. He's given us pastors to equip us, but we still have to do the work. We still have to dig in and move forward on our own. You see, we all have spiritual gifts We all have spiritual gifts. If we jump backwards in Ephesians to verse eight, really quickly, it says this, when he ascended on high, he held a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. He gave us gifts. He gave us spiritual gifts. So now let's jump backwards, a couple of books to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Starting in verse four. Now, There are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God, who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You see, we have shepherds and teachers to equip us, but the Holy Spirit has also given us something as well that we can use. The Holy Spirit has given us something as well. Verse four, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit, and a variety of service, but the same Lord, and varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. If you wanna see just even a clearer picture of what Zach was talking about last week, let's look at the Trinity here. There are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, gives spiritual gifts. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord, God the Son, Jesus Christ, serving. He came to serve, not to be served. And there are varieties of activities or ministries. But the same God, God the Father, who empowers them all in us. Them all in us. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Gifts, service, service. Activities or ministries, but the same God. All of us have some display of the Holy Spirit in our lives if we've said yes to Jesus Christ. All of us do. So we've got leaders who've equipped us, and now the Holy Spirit has given us gifts or talents or abilities. So why did he do that? The end of verse 7 For the common good so that we can point others towards maturity in their faith and so that God's name and fame or his renown might be increased. We understand God best. We understand God best when we participate in ministry, when we participate in what he's got going on in the world around us. You see, I could be up here talking to you forever and ever and ever about how great God is and how he's amazing and wonderful and he saves you. But until you are actually the hands and feet of God, you will not have a more clear understanding of who God is. God calls us to do work, to build up his church, to point others towards him. We understand God best by participating in ministry with God and with others around us. With God and with others around us. So we've got leaders in place, uh, pastoral staff in place to help equip us and the Holy Spirit has given us gifts and talents and abilities to help us move forward. And why do we wanna move forward? For the common good of everyone. Because remember, we're all united. We're on this train together. For the common good of everyone. Let's jump back to Ephesians chapter four, verse 13. Jump back to verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until, the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine and by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Maturity is our goal. Pastors equipping us, the Holy Spirit, giving us gifts and talents, In unity, we're all using these things to move forward until when? Until we are mature in our faith. Until we have attained the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Until we attain the unity where all of us together are on the same page about, hey, this is what God did for us and we are excited about that. Until we're all together, the unity of faith, we are all in agreement that God died for us and saved us and made us whole again and we can trust him because of that. And until we all are unified in our knowledge of the Son of God, understanding who Jesus is and what he did for us together, in unity together. But it doesn't do us good just to understand it as a body of Christ, but it it doesn't do us any good to do that, but we have to be mature in that. Scripture calls us to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So, we have pastors, and gifts, and we need to use them and be unified together in faith so that we understand who Jesus is to the fullness of the stature of Christ. Not just to a certain point, but to the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ. Why? So that we're no longer children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. When I read that verse, I thought of me as a 14-year-old. I was six foot three at 14 and like 120 pounds, and I was like all arms and legs. That's all I was. Super awkward. Didn't know how to use them, right? I fell a lot your feet are like size 13 and you've never, like they were size 10 the year before and they're 13 all of a sudden. You don't know how to walk. Your legs are all jacked up. You guys have seen awkward teenagers, right? Some of you are still awkward teenagers. you think you're not, I can see you. <laughs> but for me, I had a friend, uh, my friend Andrew, we played basketball together. We were in the eighth grade basketball team together and my coach called him the flounder Because he always fell and flopped around on the ground like a fish. Because he didn't know, he couldn't run. He couldn't run to get back on defense quickly. He'd always trip himself up with his giant feet. He was called the flounder, right? And I thought of um, those giant things that go out in front of car dealerships, those guys that wave their arms around, those inflatable things. I had to look them up to figure out what they were. And they're not that expensive. So if you want one for the house, go for it. Um, They're called Air dancers or tall boys, but those things, as they, when they are inflated and they're lifted up into the sky, there's no way to control them, right? They're just up there being tossed to and fro by the wind, right? Being knocked down. Sometimes they're bent at 90-degree angles. And then as soon as you unplug it, whew, they're deflated and they're gone, Right? We don't wanna be like those things. We don't wanna be like children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind. But I think a lot of us can be, I know I can be at times, where frustration or difficulty comes into play and we get manic or frustrated and we don't know how to handle things or a small little thing in our life blows up and then we just bend and get knocked down so hard. Or we just unplug ourselves and deflate and we're gone. We don't want to be like that. We don't want to be deflated. We don't want to be like crazy armed tall guy thing, right? We want to be mature in our stature, standing firm when the tough things come to stand united together and say, Hey, I know who Jesus is. And I know what he did for me in my life. And so I trust that. I have leaders who've poured into me and I have the tools that God has given me, the gifts that he's given me. And because of those things, I can stand firm when these things happen around me. We gotta say yes to that and no to that, the other. Gotta say yes to to standing firm and no to being blown around. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Till we attain unity of faith all together, understanding what Jesus did for us to maturity. But what does maturity mean? It means to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Ephesians 5, one chapter over, verse one says this, therefore be imitators of God. want to know how to live the Christian life in four words? Be imitators of God, right? We need to grow up to maturity so that we look more and more like Jesus every day. We need to grow up to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's not going to be tomorrow, but it's our goal to get there. How many of you guys... um, growing up or even now have like on a door jam or in a closet somewhere, markings of how tall you were as a child or your children are. Anybody? We had that at my grandfather's house growing up and there was a commercial on TV now of a grandfather who looks at this door jam that's all marked up. Years and years and years of his children growing and then his grandchildren growing and he's moving out of the house and he's looking at this thing And he's got these memories, every single mark is a memory of understanding what was going on in their lives at that point. And he can't leave it, so he takes it out of the house and installs it in their new place, this door jam, right? For us, what's our growth chart look like when it comes to growing in maturity in Christ? My guess is probably when you first became a Christian, you're just ticking things off and you're growing and growing and growing and you're knee high and then all of a sudden you're waist high and you're growing and growing and growing. But then probably at some point, because it's true for me as well, we just stopped and got stagnant. And for year after year or month after month, we just sat there comfortable because it was easy But that's not what the Bible calls us to. It calls us to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And I don't know about you, but I haven't gotten there yet. I don't think any of you have either. So that's our goal. To grow up to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So what's your growth chart look like? Is it stagnant? Have you not moved for a while? Have you just been coming and having the leadership teach you things and equip you with things, but your tools are still crystal clear, clean? Crystal clean, that's not a word. Spotless, right? Or are you still an infant, young, brand new to the faith, trying to understand him more and every day you're moving forward just a little bit at a time? Or maybe you're here and you're like, I don't even have a growth chart. I don't even know who this Jesus guy is. That's okay. We're gonna tell you about him. He's pretty cool. We have a reference point and that's Jesus. Jesus. And when the waves come and the winds are strong, we can stand firm because we're growing into maturity. We might not be there yet, but we're united as a body of believers. And we can stand firm because others around us are holding us up. Others around us are using their gifts and their talents to hold us up and to build up the body of Christ we can stand firm. So how do we build up the body of Christ? Rather than being knocked down by the waves, verse 15, rather than that, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint, with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love instead of being stagnant in our faith and instead of being knocked down we grow why do we grow to look more like Christ to grow up in every way into him together as one body In order to do that, in order for all of us to grow up together as one body, we all have to do our part. We have to participate. We can't just come and hear and receive and not do. We can't just let our tools stay clean. They got to get dirty. Um, One of my, I have two major fears. One of them is that I would break a femur, because that would suck a lot, and my femur's got to be like four or five inches thick. That's a big bone to break on me. And if that's the case, if I break my femur, my wife can't, if I'm in a wheelchair or something, my wife can't get me in and out of the house. There's no, no, no way. I would have to be stuck on the first floor of our house, which has no bed, just a little powder room, which I wouldn't fit in with a straight leg, right? It'd be a bit of a mess. I don't fit in cars, if that's the case to ride in the back of a minivan right on the floor it's a fear of mine but not only for those reasons because it would be difficult and it would hurt and it'd be painful but it's for the after effects because if you've been in a cast for a while i've never broken a bone but i've seen y'all who have if you've been in a cast for a while the muscles atrophy right they start to become weaker and weaker and weaker with non-use And so us as a body of believers, if one of our limbs is not participating in the work that we're doing, it's atrophying. It's becoming smaller and weaker. And it's a struggle then because then everybody else has to pick up the slack so that this train keeps moving forward. But it's hard. If you don't have a right arm or a left arm or a leg or an eye or whatever you might be in this body of Christ? Are you atrophying or are you participating in what God's called us to do? In order to look more like Christ, we all have to do our part. We all have to do our part. So how do we grow? How do we grow? Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow. So speak truth in love. What does that mean? That's a hard thing to do. There's two mistakes I think that happen. Commentary writes read listed these off. There's two mistakes that happen when we're trying to speak truth in love and we're trying to relay the truth of God's gospel to somebody's life with care and love in our lives. The first thing that happens is we speak truth, but we don't love. We speak truth, but we don't love. We say, hey, this is what the Bible says. Deal with it. It's pounding. It's brutal. There's no grace with it, and there's no relationship with it. We speak truth without any relationship with that person. We're not united at that point, if that's the case. The second thing we do is we love without speaking truth. A lot of times when the winds come and the waves are coming in and we might be freaking out a little bit and we're moving around like one of those inflatable things, people come to us and instead of speaking truth to us of saying, hey, the Bible says we need to stand firm. Instead of doing that, they just put their arm around us and love on us, which is great. It makes us feel good for a moment and it makes them feel good because they're loving you and there's nothing wrong with loving somebody. But they're not doing the hard thing of speaking the truth of hey, God's bigger than this. And so they're not doing us any favors if we're loving without truth. They're sparing us a little bit of pain and sparing themselves of the difficult conversation. And it causes more problems down the road. To speak truth in love is hard. It requires investment on our part with each other, of being in a relationship, being united with each other. Speaking truth in love is hard. You see, back to our train analogy, we're on the track and one rail is truth and the other rail is love. And if we love really strongly, And the love track goes this way, but the truth track goes this way. We're derailed at that point. Or if we speak truth, but our love isn't there, we're derailed as a body, as a group. And so as a group, united, together, having leaders in place who point us towards God's love and God's grace, who give us, equip us with the skills and the knowledge of what we need to do in our lives, and understanding that the Holy Spirit has given us gifts that we can use to build up the body of Christ. We want to do that in truth and love. And when we speak in truth and love, God's church, His people are matured together towards the fullness of the stature of Christ. When we grow, In love, the truth of the gospel is brought forth. In love, we do this together, we're unified. And in love, we are held together. And in love, we grow each other and ourselves. And when we do that, God's truth is magnified amongst us into the world. You see, the way we grow towards maturity is by loving. And when we love... We speak truth. So what does that look like using your gifts that God's given you? You all know what you have. If you don't know what God's given you, we can talk about that. We can help you figure out where you fit. But God is calling us towards maturity and the way we get there is to use our gifts and talents in relationship with one another to love each other and to speak truth into each other's lives. And in the end of that section, it says this. When each part is working properly, when each of us are doing what God's called us to, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. When we are each doing our part, it makes us grow towards maturity Christ is our reference. Christ is where we're headed. And as we grow together, we love together. And as we love, his truth is magnified not only to our body, but to the world around us. God's name and his fame or his renown that we talk about all the time is made bigger when we do this. So I have a couple questions for you. Where are you on your growth chart? Are you using the gifts and talents God's given you to grow? Not only yourself, but others around you. Are you stagnant? Are you just sitting in the same place you were six months ago, or two years ago, or three years ago? Are you even trying? Some of us are here and we've been here for a long time, but we've never acted like we're part of the body. We're just that extra weight that makes things harder. So do we need to start acting like part of the body? Do we need to engage with the works that God's laid out around us? Or maybe you don't even know how to do that and you're like, I need somebody to help me with that. That is great. We've got people in place who will love to walk with you, side by side with you and show you what it looks like to walk as a Christian. My other question is this, how involved in the body of Christ are you? And is your involvement sufficient enough to let you grow spiritually? Is it sufficient enough to let you grow spiritually? Because I know in my case, at some times in my walk with Christ, when I've been involved, it looks like I'm doing a bunch of work around the church, but it's not sufficient enough for me to grow spiritually because it's the same thing I did five years ago. And I know how to do it now and I understand it, but I'm not challenging myself to grow spiritually in any way. I'm just doing the thing that I know how to do and I could do it in my sleep. Is your involvement in the body of Christ sufficient enough to help you grow spiritually, to grow towards maturity. We've got these two tables set up here at the front. And here in a moment, as the band comes, they're gonna lead us in worship and we're gonna have a reflection moment. And in that time, think through these questions. Where are you at on your growth chart? Are you engaged? Are you working are you doing what God's called you to do, not only so that you can grow to maturity, but so you can point others towards maturity in Christ as well? And staff and trustees are gonna be at these tables, and these tables aren't just tables for you to come to just so that you can pray or have an altar call of some sort. It's just a place where you can come and talk to somebody and say, hey, I'm not engaged right now. Let's pray together and figure out how, where I can fit. Or, hey, I'm struggling with this in my life right now and it's making me move around. I'm getting knocked to and fro by every wave and every wind. Pray with me and help me in that situation. Or maybe he's been talking about this Jesus guy, but I don't know who that is. Can you tell tell me about him? And our staff and our trustees who are gonna be at those tables will be happy to tell you about that. They will be happy to equip you with the tools you need to do this thing called the life of a Christian. And so as we sing this song, we're gonna sing the same song we sang earlier, set a fire down in my soul. That God, there's nowhere else we would rather be than in your presence, than in your love. So set a fire inside of us to go out and grow up towards maturity in Christ, to grow up together, unified as a body, singing this song in unity, saying, hey, we are in this together. We are moving towards unity, and we are moving towards maturity, understanding that Christ is our reference point, and that's where we're headed. We're on the train together. We're on the train together. So let's pray, and then we'll sing. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We ask that as we sing this song, your truths would ring true in our heart, that you've called us to something more, that you've called us towards maturity in our faith, not just individually, but together as a body of believers moving towards maturity. And so God, for some of us, we might be atrophying. We might be causing the body to struggle a little bit. So God, put inside of us a fire to engage you more and engage this walk more. Some of us have just been doing the work, but we haven't been growing spiritually because it's not challenging to us anymore. And so God, put a fire inside of us to move forward and not stay stagnant. Break our hearts today so that we might see you more in our lives tomorrow. God, we love you and we praise you and all God's people said, amen. Let's stand and let's sing together.